Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. This morning, God bless you. You may be seated. And as we're just we're clearing the stage and getting some things ready this morning, I just want to just start setting this up. There's two words I want us to focus on this morning very quickly. Obedience and faithfulness. Now, we're still in, in the study of Joseph. The life of Joseph, what will they say about you? You know, I've thought a lot this week. And uh, I've, I've thought a lot this week about what they're going to say about different politicians, what they've been saying about different politicians, what they've been uh, mentioning about. And I just wonder, let's just set that right here. Thank you so much, brother. I just wonder if you and I were somehow running for office or somehow preparing ourselves to do anything, what would they be saying about us? Anybody want to volunteer? R- remember the good old days when <clears throat> there were no cameras on your phone? Uh, you know, I thank God for those days because I was young. <laughs> um, what will they say about you? We've been studying that. What will they say about us? Now, this morning, the, the notes aren't up there, so just don't. Um, one of our computers went out, so it's. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right, all right? (laughs) I'm not going to break out in song, don't worry. But we've been in this study, the life of Joseph, and I'm hearing some noise. If it's me, I'll stop. But the life of Joseph is simply telling us to be obedient, and to be faithful. And man, we've, we've had some great teaching out of this over the last many, many months. But I just want to encourage you this morning to just be open to this aspect of Joseph's life that, that sometimes we just blow through, but he had to be obedient in what he did and faithful in what he did. Now, let, let me just read this very quickly in Genesis chapter 41. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select. Now, this is him talking to Pharaoh. Uh, Remember Pharaoh's dream? Seven fat calves, healthy calves, came out of the Nile. They were grazing, and they they were healthy and huge. And then seven pathetic, unhealthy, skinny cows came out and devoured them. He wakes up, goes back to sleep, has another dream. Seven heads of wheat, stalks of wheat, large, healthy, But then seven withered heads rise up and devour them. So he calls out to have these dreams interpreted. Nobody can. He brings Joseph out of prison. I'm making a long story very short here. And Joseph interprets the dream for him. Pharaoh says, is there anyone with the Spirit of God in him like this man? So he says, what should I do? And Joseph says, now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. And set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh. And let them keep food in the cities that, that food shall be a treasure and reserved for the land for seven years. And then when you are in the land of Egypt, Nothing shall perish during the famine. And if you move forward very quickly to Genesis chapter 47, it says, And Joseph made a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priest only. Now, I say that because after choosing Joseph, Joseph had to be faithful and obedient. Because when you tell Pharaoh, here's what you need to do, and then Pharaoh says, I've got an idea. You do it. 
you better be obedient in what you just said. He had to walk out what he just said. Now, what does that mean very quickly in this story for us? It means that for seven years there was a land that had plentiful harvest. If you go in and read chapter 42 (coughs) into chapter 43, it talks about the fact that they had so much harvest come in, that they were collecting so much, that once they got to the point that they were needing how much they were counting for, they just stopped counting so much was coming in. They had collected so much. And on that seventh year, when things started going downhill, guess what? Not only did they have plenty, but the Bible says the whole world came to Joseph. Um, the Bible says that we should be the lenders, not the borrowers. Now, don't, don't feel guilty. Because how many have a loan with the bank? You know, how many are, in, I'm sorry, wrong word. We're in bondage to the bank, right? How many have a loan with a credit card? <laughs> now, here's, here's what I'm talking about this morning. Because when we look at the life of Joseph and his obedience and faithfulness, this really ties in to giving. Really, if you could see the screen this morning, here's what it would say. The purpose of giving. The purpose of giving. Uh, we know that the Egyptians gave because they knew something was coming even though it wasn't there yet. They set it aside so it would be there. Let me put it this way. They couldn't see what was coming, but they believed it anyway. That They couldn't see the danger coming, but they set aside anyway. Now, was it legislated? Yes. Uh, we don't know if Joseph sent people to the house. You know, we don't know if anybody was strong-armed. We don't, we don't know that. The Bible doesn't say. But what we do know is that Pharaoh said, um, if he says collect 5%, guess what you're giving? 5%. And, and, it, and it even says that Joseph would take that and plant more harvest with that seed, and that's how the abundance kept coming in because what he was given, he kept giving away. All right, now let me, let me just stop here and just say this morning, is not about... Did we get the notes up? Praise the Lord. Um, See, if you're just giving it time. See what I did there? If you give it time, it comes, right? So so what happens here? Well, I want to talk about giving from a different perspective this morning because, listen, some of you, oh, here we go, it's the giving message. No, it's a lifestyle message, guys. Because this isn't about just giving your money, it's about giving your life. Paul says, therefore I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. But that's your reasonable service. That's the least you could do, uh, holy and acceptable unto him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm not trying to brainwash anybody. I'm not trying to get your money. I'm not. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to let you have the opportunity to give your heart to Christ. Because, see, if he has our heart, he has our wallet. See, I, you can't talk about giving and just see people like, mm, I knew this was the morning we shouldn't have come. This was the day we should have just stayed home. He's talking about money again. Even if you're sitting at your house right now with a bag of potato chips, you're thinking, hmm, thank God he's not talking to me. Right? <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm talking to all of us, guys. Giving. So what, what's the most famous scripture on giving in the Old Testament? Some said Malachi, was that what it was? Malachi 3. And and we go there all the time, and and people beat you up with this scripture. But listen, this is not a beat you up scripture. This is Malachi saying, will a man rob God? He's not chastising them. He's saying, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You You are cursed with a curse. 
for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring all the tithe to the storehouse. Therefore, there may be food in my house, and try me now on this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, says the Lord. Now, I'm starting just to lay some groundwork with this for a few minutes, and I'm not going to stay on this passage. I'm just showing you that even through the Old Testament, and many say, well, that's just an Old Testament passage. Listen, there's a lot of things about the Old Testament that we don't practice anymore because you don't. You don't have to practice a sacrifice anymore because Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. We're going to talk about firstborn and first fruits in just a moment. Jesus Christ is the first fruits. But why is this giving such an issue? It's like remembering. If, if we're not disciplined in our prayer life, in our even attending church, in our giving, in our, in our waking, in our, in our talking, in our conversations, and where we go and what we do, I promise you, if you're not disciplined in what you do and putting him first, you will not put God first in any area of your life. You won't. You, you just, I'm just telling you, you won't. And I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm a living example of you. I know what it is not to put God first in every area of my life and wonder why things aren't, pardon the pun, adding up. Wonder why I'm, I'm still walking and things just don't make sense. And I, because I'm trying to get God to bless something, and I'm not even on the highway. I'm trying, to God, I'm trying to get God to, to bless what, what I'm doing, but I'm not even in the right path. I'm trying to get God to anoint and structure and, and use me in this area, and, and he's just saying, well, you know, it's not a question of if I can. It's it, will you put me first. And the people were saying, well, how will we rob God? How have we robbed God? Does Jesus make this statement in the New Testament? Uh, it, when, when you stand before me and I say, I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've never known you. I, I don't know. But, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. We, we walked in the pathways we wanted to walk in in your name. That's what it's saying. He said, oh, well, you know, you, you might have been doing a lot of stuff in my name, but you weren't walking in the path I wanted you to walk in. Now, I, I just wonder, let me just ask this question. What would it be like if you walked in his path? I'm just asking. What would it be like if you put him first? What would it look like if, well, pastor, this is, this is Old Testament. I don't have to apply the Old Testament. Okay. Okay. Um. But do you put him first in your life? Well, I do, except in the area of, you know, my money and my hobbies and, and my this and my that, my relationships. Well, there you go. See, if, if he's not disciplined, if you're not disciplined enough to put him first. Now, we're not talking about legalism and we're not talking about following rules. We're saved by grace, not by works. Somebody say amen. But I wonder what it would be when we started saying, you know what? I'm putting him first. And, and I do this every time I talk about money because when we talk about tithes and offerings to the storehouse, people are always, well, he's wanting money. He's wanting people to give money to Grace River. No. If you go to another church, give there. Give there. The kingdom of God is not just here. The kingdom of God is everywhere. He wants us to be faithful where we are. So even if you're watching this morning or you're visiting this morning, um, if you attend another church and you just happen to be visiting here, now whatever the Lord lays on your heart, but when he says the tithe needs to go to the storehouse, um, here's a better way of thinking about it. Where are you fed? Where are you fed? Now, we, we hear this jokingly, but some of you may go out to eat somewhere this afternoon, 
and, and you may go to a restaurant and 50% dining and all that kind of stuff. But wherever you go to eat, even if it's to pick up a sandwich on the way home, how do you think it's going to be perceived when you say, I'd like, um, I'd like a steak and a baked potato, but I'm going to pay this at uh, the restaurant down the street? I'm just throwing this out there. You don't have to like it. You just <laughs> We know that's silly, right? We know that doesn't happen. So why do we do it? Why do we do it? We, we pay other things for entertainment, but then we want God to bless us. And now listen, this isn't about getting your money. It's about getting your heart. But what are the resources we use to do everything we do? It's not a trick question. Money. Okay. Well, pastor, I am so in debt. Yeah. You know what a, a cool thing about paying our tithes and offerings, and my wife and I walked through this, and we've shared this many times. When we were in college, um, we were so young. Um, so here I am, Diane and I are 19, 20 years old. We're in college. And there was somebody sitting out in the middle of campus at a table handing out credit cards. So I went up to the table, and I was like, what are these? Well, these are credit cards, and you can use them, and you can go purchase things and then pay for it later. I'll take seven. I'll take, how many can you get? <laughs> well, you know, we have to, you know, with you being students, we want to give you a way to start building your credit. How many knew that, that went over not big at all at a lot of college campuses because students everywhere, you know, those credit card companies knew what they were doing, right? We want to help you get a head start into bondage, right? And, and listen, I'm not proud of this, but within a couple of years, because when we were in college, we were working, and, and I was doing a lot of traveling, a lot of ministry, so we, we were almost living off those credit cards, resonates, right? We're living off of borrowed time. And we got to a point, even after graduation, now all these bills, and we had a lot, we had a lot less income than outcome. I mean, it was going out quickly, but nothing was coming in. Almost to a, an anxious, agonizing, fearful freezing. And, and let me tell you something. Um, when you get to the point where you know your bill collectors, we didn't have a caller ID back then. So you answered the phone. And as soon as I answered the phone, when I heard the voice, I said, hey, John, what do you need, man? Oh, John, I need a payment. Well, can we talk? <laughs> I mean, I knew, my, I knew my bill collectors so well, we could have conversations. We could talk about the dogs. We could talk about because that's how tight it was. Now, what am I saying? We finally got to the place where we said, you know what? Here's what we've not been practicing like we should. Putting God first. Now, what did that cause us to do? And number one, it caused us to sit down and put together a budget. I know that's not that's something a lot of you in here may already have and may already practice, but I've never heard the word before. Um, a, a budget, what's that? Well, you, you decide how much you're going to spend, and then you stay there. Well, where's the faith in that? You know, I was raised, but I, I've got faith. Let's see what God can do. What God will do is teach you how to build a budget. All right? He'll let you keep circling around that that. Um, indebtedness long enough till you learn how to sit down and build a budget. And I'm preaching to somebody right now. I don't know. Because until you build a budget, you're not going to know how next month can turn out. Because you don't even know how in debt you are right now. Now, I'm not lecturing. I'm just talking to you straight. Here's what God would allow some of you to do. Because when, when Malachi starts getting into you've been cursed, here's what he's saying. You, you haven't put me first, which means you haven't sat down and planned to put me first. Because if you plan to put me first, you've got to plan on the other things also. 
And even when you look at the other things and you're like, nothing adds up here. This doesn't add up. Now it's faith. Now it's faith when you give. And Lord, here, here's my tithe and offering, but I, I only have this left. That's when he says, just watch me. Because I can do more with your 90% than you can with your 100. I can do more. That, that's what he's talking about. What, what is the curse? Well, the curse for a lot of people is they just don't put God first, and they do everything else, and they wonder why they're in debt. You can't do everything else on what you work with. You can't do. And we, we're, we're, we're living in a country now. Listen, we are, we are the most blessed nation on this planet. But I also believe we're the most in-debt nation on this planet. Why? Because we all want to have it now. We want to have everything our parents had now. And you can get it if you finance it. But you never really have it because you're paying it. And we, we, we stress out. Am I, am I talking? Am I making sense? We're stressing ourselves out trying to pay for things that we've even forgot about. I mean, true confessions. How many of you buy stuff, and before it's even paid off, you've thrown it away? You, you buy stuff, and before it's even paid off, you don't even know what happened to it. Now, I'm, I'm saying that because that's a part of discipline, guys. He says, I will, and I'm not trying to stay on Malachi too long. How many, oh, please move quickly. Here's, here's the reality. He says, listen, when you start sitting down, it's as simple as sitting down, putting him first, because when you do that, you have to plan some things out. When Diane and I finally sat down, now here's, here's what we did, all right, full transparency. We went to a credit counselor, and we said, here's all of our bills. Please help us. Well, how I spend my money is nobody's business. That's why you're in the shape you're in. That, that's why when you walk into a bank, they look at you and just like, um, can you go to the bank across the street, please? They don't, they don't want to touch you. And then you get all upset at banks like it's the bank's problem. Or you get all upset at sermons on, on money because it's, it's the preacher wanting money. No, I would love for you to be free this year. I would love for you to be out of debt this year. One thing I love about my wife, is she is determined that we live debt-free. Now, I love that about her. It just doesn't sound like it when we're talking. Because when, when I know, I know, I know, when she comes in the mornings, because we try to spend a few hours together in the mornings, when she comes in with a little notebook and she's waiting for me to be totally awake, and she says, hey, uh, can we talk for a minute? I'm like, oh, God, please help me right now, Jesus. Just... Lord, help me to speak peace and joy and love. What? She said, why do you always get upset when we talk about money? Because I said, I'm not going to win. That's why I get upset. I know I'm getting ready to lose an argument here. But here's what it's about. We're spending this, but if we can do this, we can be out of debt. I'm like, Diane, it's not normal to be completely out of debt. You can't show me in the Bible where it says that's normal. But see, here's why it's important to me, because it's important to her. And when I put God first, it's amazing how when I put her first, we end up debt-free. Now, if I just did my own thing, we'd be in trouble. But when you put God first, we went to a credit counselor, and they said, okay, we can help you. And here's what they said. You can be totally out of debt, and boom, 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 boom. 24 months, 18 months, whatever it was. And we were like, are you sure? Because here's, here's the miracle. We were now making less money than we had ever made. We, we were living in California, cheapest place to live. <laughs> we were living in California, Fresno, California, both of us working out of college, making less money than we had ever made, and we became debt-free in that short period of time. Why? Because we decided to put God first, follow a budget, not go out and live in silliness,
but put him first in everything. Now, please, please listen. I'm not saying you can't enjoy life. But listen, what you enjoy, you better enjoy it. Because if you go in a lot of debt over it, you're going to hate it. So make sure you enjoy it. Because <laughs> you're going to hate it in a few years. You're going to wish you had just saved a little bit. Are you tired of hearing about me and Diane? Because, I mean, here, here's... <laughs> Did I hear a yes from Diane over there? Here's the bottom line. I've had to learn so much, guys. But, but we've got things paid for in advance that I didn't even know about. I didn't even know about them. They're, they're paid in advance. And I'm like, we, we've got what paid in advance? When did you pay that? Well, I've been doing this. You know, when you just stay focused on God and you're working with the right people, things just start falling into place that you didn't even know were in place yet. And then you find out you're more blessed than you thought you were. I'm going to hurry and move on. We got, now that we have the notes up there, I've got to stick to it. All right, so now, just very quickly, what is a tithe? It's 10%. Now, I'm not pushing the tithe because the New Testament doesn't push the tithe. I'll get to that in a moment. How many want me to hurry up this morning? <clears throat> Here's the first point. The firstborn is sacrificed and redeemed. Sacrificed or redeemed, what does that mean? Because we're talking about the firstborn or the first fruits are putting God first. What does this mean? In Exodus, now, we were just talking about Malachi, but if we back up to Exodus very quickly. He told Moses, he said, listen, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, is mine. Firstborn son, firstborn lamb, firstborn donkey. He goes on to say, they be, there will be sacrifice unto me or redeemed. How do you redeem it? Another lamb. He said, if, if a donkey is born, he, he goes on in, in verses 12 through 13, that you shall set apart the Lord all the open womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, if something's not redeemed, it has to die. You give, you give God first, or what you hold on to doesn't add up. You give God first, well, I just don't, I don't believe what he's saying right now. Okay, okay. How's life? And I'm not just talking about your finances, guys. When you don't put God first in every area of your life, now this specifically is talking about finances, but what would it look like if you were debt-free? What would it look like? Um, and, and I'm not going to embarrass this gentleman, but I know that uh, several years ago he was trying to prayerfully think about launching his own business, and, and we talked about it a lot. And, and I kept saying, well, why? Why do you want to, you know, why? You know, you got an, he had an incredible job where he was. He had a great job where he was. But he, and he was satisfied where he was. But he had this gnawing for several years about stepping out. Now, I've not talked to him recently. I don't know if he's regretted that or not. But here's what I do know. Here's what he said. Why? Here's what the why was. I'm working with a company that all I do is watch them bless people. They have, they have so much coming in that they're able to say, we want to bless you. We want to bless you. He watched his company bury people's family that couldn't afford to bury their family. They would just go pay for it. And, and his why was, I want to be them. I want to put God first like they try. I want to do business like they do business. I want to be able to wake up one morning, and even though I'm working hard, if there's a need over here, I can meet it. I can help that person. But see, when you're so locked up in debt, when you wake up in the morning, listen, you ready? You don't even think about other people. All you think about is you, what you've got to get out of, the hole you've got to get out of. And have you noticed that when it's all about you, you become the victim and everybody else becomes the enemy? God says he will 
he will destroy the devourer. When you put him first, I, I can't explain how giving things away is such more of a blessing than receiving. And, and again, I'm not just talking about your money. But I want you to know that every time I talk to this young man, even in difficult times, he's got more joy. Even when he's working like crazy, I, I can't even imagine how many people he's already helping. Probably doesn't even know it. Now, what am I saying? Uh, if you don't put it in God's hands, it, it can't be redeemed. But he says, I want your first son. I want your lambs. I want it to be sacrificed or redeemed. What does that mean? If you don't kill it, it's got to be redeemed. It's got to be bought back by another lamb. One thing I love about the Old Testament, it always points to Jesus. I promise you, it's, it's something they call in theology the, a type and a shadow. There's other terms that I'm not going to bore you with, but it's a type and a shadow of Christ. Things in the New Testament point to Jesus. Why? Because when you and I were born, <clears throat> quite honestly, we were the donkeys in the herd. We were lost. We were born with a sinful nature. We were born lost. We either were going to be sacrificed or redeemed. We were going to be slaughtered or redeemed. Guess what God did? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall receive eternal life. Jesus Christ the spotless lamb came and redeemed us. He redeemed us. Now, now, how is that important? Because the first fruits that we give back to God is not, it's not about us owing him anything. It all belongs to him. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's his anyway. It's about us reminding ourselves. <clears throat> back in, in uh, Exodus, when Moses was uh, getting the word from the Lord, and the Lord said, now listen, when you do this, when you remember this, at some point, your son's going to come up to you and says, Dad, why are you killing every time one of these sheep have their firstborn, you kill it? You're, you're cutting our herd in half right there. A flock. I don't know if lambs are on a herd, are they? <clears throat> the sheep herd her, but anyway. He says, you're cutting our prophets in half. Well, Dad, what are you doing? Some of us think the same way. We sit down at the beginning of the month and we pay all of our bills, and if something's left, maybe. But the dad says that's when you can sit down with the son, and the Lord says you, you shall tell your son the reason I'm doing this is, son, now you don't remember this, but we used to be in a place called Egypt, and I used to have nothing. I was a slave. I was, I, was, I was messed up, son. But God told us to sacrifice a lamb, and an angel passed over, and we were delivered from that. And so we do this on a regular basis to remind ourselves that God is still our deliverer, and God is still the one who sets us free. God is still the one that is in control, and we put him first in everything we do, son. That's why even all these lambs around here, the firstborn lamb out of any, male lamb out of any of these lambs, son, it's going to be sacrificed. If they're spotless, if they're pure, and if they're not, if they're not spotless, we're going to find a pure one to replace that one because we're going to give God our best. And see, for us in the New Testament, what that means is God sent his best. God sent his best, Jesus Christ, and he paid our sins. Amen. So he wants us to give our first. But then secondly, and I'll move quickly, secondly, he wants us to just simply give the first fruits that are offered. What are the first fruits? Exodus 23, 19, the first fruits of your, of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now let me just say this. <clears throat> Some of you might leave here saying, wow, thank God we don't have any lambs. Because I don't mind giving the first lamb, but we don't have any lambs. You know? 
Um, would you take a dog? You're just trying to look for... Have you ever noticed that when people start talking about money, they look for corners to cut? Well, does the Bible really say this, or can we just give this? If I do this, can I... What about my time? If, does time at church count? This isn't prison. Well, I serve God. I give God four hours a week and three and a half hours or at Sunday. Now, now, now it's just legalism. You're checking the boxes. What, what would it be like if we just realized we're children of God? And wherever we are, we're, we're going to spend our time. But now we have to budget, right? That means we're going to plan to spend our time in certain ways. That means we're going to plan. I mean, we want to give God our best. First fruits are, they can be your finances too. They can be your time. They can be your energy. It's whatever you produce. It's whatever you produce. I've discovered that for me personally, the most productive time of of my day, I've got about, now don't, don't laugh out loud on this, but I've got about two or three good hours in the morning, and then I've got maybe two good hours in the afternoon. So I'm only good. For five hours a day, <laughs> I'm good for nothing for the rest of the day. But I have to be very strategic about the way those three or two hours are spent. Because if I don't plan on how those three and two hours are spent, my whole day is wasted. Don't raise your hands, but anybody know how a wasted day feels? You're driving home or you get to the house and you finally sit down. You've been at work all day but you've done nothing, okay? Now, this isn't a very motivational sermon, it seems. But here's, here's my point. I have to be strategic. I have to plan. And I'm not saying this to, to many of you do this and even more, but I have to get up very early to do some of the things I do. And in order for me to do what I do, Um, I even have to plan things. You know, I often tell people that when you start planning things in your life, go public. Go public. Uh, Meaning, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Well, if I tell you I'm going to lose 20 pounds, guess what I better do? Now, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. If I go public with that, because now what's going to happen? I'm going to be really embarrassed in two months when somebody says, hey, pastor, when are you going to start that uh, 20-pound thing? That's called being held accountable. All right? So now I want to clarify something. I was an example. That was just an example right there, okay? <laughs> but here's what has helped me. You ready? Simple. Every morning, Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock, I'll see you live. See you live on Facebook. 10 minutes, 12 minutes, but we're going to start the morning with word and prayer and just start Monday through Friday. I'll see you at 7, okay? That means I've got to get up much earlier to do some of the things I do so I can be alive at 7, right? Now, this isn't, you don't even have to watch this. It's recorded, but here's what I'm saying. There's been plenty of mornings about 5.30 I've been like, should have recorded this because I do not feel like moving right now. I don't feel like doing something live. But guess what I did? I went public. Now it forces me to discipline myself to do this and do this so I can see you at seven. All right? Now, now listen. What are we talking about? Obedience and faithfulness. Obedience and faithfulness. Um, Not, he made me feel bad because I don't get up early. No, that's not the point. Um, You might be a late person, you might be an early person. I I don't care what your schedule is. Are Are you disciplined enough to build in a schedule where you're putting God first? This isn't legalism. It's called discipline. I mean, anybody in the military? I know there's a lot of military that are retired. But any time in the military when they said, oh, 600 hours, we'll see you there. It, um, I might be a few minutes late. 
um, I got a couple things I'm dealing with, and you know, I just no, no, you didn't. You didn't get to do. You might have tried one time. Yeah, um, but I mean, here's the deal. We we if you don't have those kind of environments that you've experienced, what I'm talking about right now doesn't make sense in our culture, because our culture is so used to just you know laissez-faire. I'll do what I want. I'll spend what I want. I'll go where I want to. What do you mean you're going to hold me accountable? You're not my boss. I don't know who talks like that. I'm just saying. (laughs) Here's what I do know. This world is real, and what God is trying to tell you is real. And there comes a point where if you don't have things planned out and you're not putting God first, you're going to find out how real things are. The first time you get dismissed from something, the first time, uh, the first time you, you don't make it through a process that you start because you just don't put the time in and you realize there's no more time left. You've got to go just move in a different direction. And that, that, that happens. So here's, here's the putting the first fruits first are vital because what happens when you don't? In Genesis chapter 4, in the process of time, in the process of time, I'll hit that in a moment, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. Here's why. First fruits, it's not, not a quiz. First fruits are first. Not leftovers. First fruits are first fruit. Firstborn is the firstborn. This is not a quiz, folks. So the firstborn, so what's the first fruit? Or what's the firstborn? When I sit down, um, some, most of us get paid maybe once a week, twice a month, or, or maybe just once a month. I remember the first time we started getting paid once a month, I was like, once a month? That's when I learned how to start budgeting. You get paid once a month and run out of money on the first week. That's a long month. <laughs> but we learn how to budget. Um, but what, it, what does it mean about giving God, putting God first? What does it look like when you're saying, okay, once a month we're putting God first? Here's what that looks like. I don't care if it's my time. I don't care if it's my fine. Everything we do, we're putting God first. Um, the Bible says when Cain, over a period of time, what does that mean for Cain? It meant that the harvest came in, but he waited a while. He, we, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but he obviously didn't bring him the first part. Maybe he divided it out and, and did what he needed to do first and took care of business in other areas and made sure other things had enough, and then he, okay, I'll give this. Man, look how much this is. God will be blessed. But Abel just brought the firstborn. And God was pleased. And he wasn't pleased with Cain. Now listen, the Bible doesn't say he killed Cain. It says he just wasn't pleased with him. Why? Because he wasn't giving him his best. Have you ever noticed that it's natural for little boys to want to do their best for their parents? It's natural. It's, it's something innate for us to want to do our best. Um, I can remember when, when our children were little, especially Matt, if he was playing baseball or football, and, I, and I, Dine and I would laugh all the time because we knew he's going to kill himself because it doesn't matter what he was doing. If he was running to catch a fly ball, he'd be looking us at, at us to see if we were looking at him the whole time. He was just looking to make sure we were giving, we were getting his attention, he was getting our attention because he, he wants our affirmation. He wants, I want to make sure mom and dad know I'm good. And even in football, he'd be running and dodging guys and just look up in the stand and make sure we were looking. I'm like, what is, just play the game, son. We're looking. 
It's, it's something that's natural. That's exactly why Cain's countenance fell. Because when God tells you that's not your best, you can do better than that. That's not what I asked for. I know there's a lot there, but that's not what I asked for. I, w- I want your first. Son, I want you to trust me with the first thing that hits your hands. Do you trust me enough that when you give to me, I'm going to meet every need that you have? You just keep working hard. And, and how I'll meet your need is I'll just give you more work. And, and you just keep doing your best because when you keep doing your best and putting me first, you'll be shocked at how somebody will come along and, and offer you that other job or give you that promotion or, or God will just make a way. And, and, and sometimes it's a check from Grandma. Can I get an amen? You know, sometimes, it, you know, Mom and Dad surprise us with things and, and, and we understand. But here's, let me make this quick application to what happens in the New Testament. Because, again, the New Testament and I'm just being transparent. The New Testament, Jesus doesn't push the tithe down anybody's throat. Paul doesn't. Really, it's mentioned a few times, specifically when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about how that, whoa, yeah, you pay your tithes with cumin and spices. So you give us, you give us the first fruit of you. You want to impress us maybe. But then you don't even pay attention to people's needs. You know, Jesus is saying, hey, why don't you get it straight? You know, don't just, don't just come in and try to impress people. He even with the disciples one time is standing around, and, and, and he notices that these wealthy guys are coming by the offering plate, and they're just dumping money in like crazy. But then he notices this little lady come by and put in a little mite, a penny. And Jesus says, come here, guys, I'm going to show you something. See those guys? They gave out of their abundance. We'll call that the Cain gift. I'm loaded. I got more than I can ever need here. I'll just give God this. I don't need it. Listen, God doesn't need it, period. You're not, you're, you're not impressing God. You, it's, God doesn't need It's not like God's like, oh, thank God this pandemic. Thank God he finally gave. Thank God she finally gave. I didn't know how we were going to make it. That's not God. Obedience, faithfulness. Because then when the little lady came by, he says, guys, you see her? She didn't give out of her abundance. That was sacrificial right there, guys. That's all she had. She gave everything. Oh, great, Pastor. Now we went from a tenth to everything. Well, the answer really to that question is, yeah. Because Paul sort of puts it like this, and I'm wrapping up. Uh, Fred, I may do that at another time. I'm wrapping up right now. Uh, Ingrid, if you'll please come. Let me just softly play, this is the air that I breathe. Um, Paul comes along and says it like this. You know what? Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, give. Now, why? See, even when, when I get with other Christians and start having that conversation, they're like, thank the Lord. I thought you were going to say tithe again. But see, here's the difference with the New Testament and the Old Testament. The Old Testament was a tithe. The New Testament is, does he have your heart? The New Testament is, um, and, and listen, can I, can I just say something to you real quick here? Um, some of you are helping a lot of people. You know, for instance, and I, we don't have to find the scriptures on these disguise. I had a couple of these scriptures listed. John 15 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, greater love hath no man than he that would lay down his life for his friend. Some of you sacrificially help others all the time. That counts, guys. Some of you are, are, are working and sacrificing all the time. Listen to what 
Acts says, and all those who believed were together. They had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing them with all as many had need. And the spirit of love and generosity was so great in the early church that believers willingly and joyfully surrendered their own property and possessions. Now listen, clear up an incredible misconception in our American culture. That is not communism. That is not communism. Some people have the audacity to point to that and say, we want America to be like the church. Well, so do I. But that is not what we're talking about. What this is, people had given their heart so much to Jesus that when they saw a need, they just all got together and met that need. They didn't sit around and judge each other. They just got together. If there was a need, hey, let's get together and she needs to help moving or, or he needs help with this or they need help with the bills. See, if we're not careful... Because listen, here, here's one thing about the church that's not stopped even during the pandemic. Needs. We don't see them because we've not been able to gather every Sunday. For months, we were not able to gather at all. For, for months, it took, you know, even getting streaming up and going. And I'm not even real sure we're doing that now. But here's what I do know. The needs are like the sun. They come up every morning but so is God's faithfulness. The question is, will we be obedient and faithful? I just wonder this morning at our first belonging to God, what that means to you personally. If it's finances, but, but what if it's, what if finances aren't an issue? I mean, you're always giving to the church above and beyond. But what if he still doesn't have your heart? What, what would it look like if, if maybe he had your heart and, and you started spending more time just loving people? He, the greatest commandment is not how much you're going to give, it's how much you're going to love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Head, hands, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. This isn't a condemnation. I'm just throwing a question out there. What if you spent on your neighbor what you spent on yourself? I, I'm in on that neighborhood. Amen? I mean, can you imagine living in a neighborhood where people were going around all the time saying, everything okay, man? You got any needs? Just checking. We're running cable from that one house over there all the way. No, just, <laughs> just what, what would happen if you just went from house? And I'm not saying that's, that's a ministry that you need to come up with. I am saying that there are ministries like that. Lissa's got us involved in a powerful ministry that they, they are called this adopting a block where churches go in. And I don't mean let's adopt a block. We're going to just adopt a block. No, this is seriously getting involved in the lives of the people in that neighborhood. Uh, this ministry that she's been working with and training, they're the group, you've seen them on TV before, they just go to neighborhoods with whole boxes of vegetables and just set them on people's doors. Truckloads of stuff comes in, and, and food banks and, and homeless shelters are so packed with their stuff, then they just have to go to neighborhoods and hang, hang it out. And, and they, they try to get churches just to come help hand stuff out. There's so much stuff to bless people. Listen, if you'll be willing to be a vessel, God will get stuff in your hand. If you put him first, God will put stuff in your hand to give out. It's the proverbial, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Putting him first. What does that look like? You know, I know, yeah, we have needs here. There's ways we're trying to move forward. But I'm really not asking for your money. I'm hoping that you're faithful in that anyway. I'm wanting us to do a heart check this morning. Are we obedient and are we faithful? Now, how, how am I closing this with Joseph? Because he was obedient and faithful at the seven, after seven years of plenty, 
the whole world was coming to him for the answer. Can I, can I just tell you that, and I'm not even, this, listen, this is not about trying to be prophetic or anything like that. But I do believe we've moved through a season, and we're not close to the end of it yet. But the church has got a choice. Be obedient and faithful or fall to the wayside. Because you're either salt or you're not. Trodden underfoot. We either make a difference. Have you ever heard the term or the phrase used or the question asked? Um, if, you, if your church ceased to exist today, would anybody miss you? If Grace River just sort of got bulldozed over and we never met here again, would anybody say, where'd they go? Or would they keep driving by? See, that's how you know you have influence, guys. That's how you know if you're touching people's lives. If, if I died tomorrow, who would miss me? Am I impacting anybody's life for Jesus Christ? Uh, am I putting him first in such a way that people's lives are going to be impacted? That people's lives are going to be touched? Am I putting him first in my finances so I can be blessed enough to touch others? I know it's a touchy subject. I know it is. But I, I just challenge you, put him first. Because what I see is at the end of this pandemic, and please don't ask me about politics right now. I mean, I, I didn't know three weeks ago. You know, uh, my whole political spiel has been pray. For the love of God, pray. So, what, Pastor, what are you saying now? Pray. Keep, we just keep praying for our leaders. Do the same thing we did before. Because guess what? Tomorrow morning, if the Lord tarries, the sun's still coming up. You haven't been in control of a lot of decisions that have been made in the last 20 years. So don't panic over the last 20 days. Here's what I'm telling you. There's going to come a point, if we're obedient and faithful, the world's not going to look to the government. They really will be looking to the church because they see us walking it out. They will not look to us if we're not walking it out. I promise you. Let's stand. Thank you for your patience this morning. If I've rambled, you know it's been good. But I promise you, what I sense God saying in a very powerful way is I, I desire your heart. Be obedient. Be faithful. If I have your heart, I have everything. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, before Anthony comes and dismisses us, Lord, we just commit our lives to you. Lord, let us search your word. Lord, we also pray search our hearts. Know us. Lord, those areas of fear, those areas of anxiety, see if there's any wickedness. Check it all out, Lord. Clean it. Wash it. Lord, I pray this morning that um, any areas of frustration or fear, Lord, we just, we just lay it before you. But Father, not, not just laying it before you and, and hoping it disappears, but now, Lord, as you guide us and direct us to, to walk it out, building a budget, sitting down and planning how we're going to impact things and situations in our life that we're dealing with. God, I pray that as we walk that out, we see you work supernaturally. Because when we put you first, you'll cause us to be blessed. You'll, you will deal with the devourer. And Lord, we just give you the glory. Lord, I pray for relationships right now. Lord, there are relationships that are bankrupt. There are, there are families that are bankrupt right now. But God, I pray that as they put you first, you just fill that family with love in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that you touch sons, that you touch daughters, that you touch individuals, Lord, that are away from you. Father, that sometimes it's our faith in you and not being able to see anything, but Lord, we're faithful to you knowing that the answer is coming. So Lord, we just give you praise. And I thank you, Father. Thank you for proving yourself time and time again. <laughs> 
Thank you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you give us many testimonies of how when we've been faithful to you, you have brought the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please remember. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.